Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler. If you have not listened to part one and part two of this mini series, go back and listen to them. I'm entering year five of my flower farm. And so we revamped and said, okay, if I was starting a flower farm right now from scratch, how would I do it with $100? How would I do it with $1,000? How would I do it with $10,000? And I'm trying to, you know, give you guys the process or the way of thinking behind it and the why, because if I tell you what to do, that's not going to work because obviously you have to adapt this to your zone, to your market, to your mode of selling to your lifestyle because that's that's the whole joy and beauty of this industry is you can absolutely build a whole entire business around your life. If you don't want to do you picks or events at your farm or subscriptions or pick and arrange bouquets, like you don't have to. You can sell wholesale. You can sell wholesale to florists. You can, you know, whatever it might be. You can do corporate events. You can use your flowers for weddings. You can, whatever it might be. There's so many options that you can tailor your business plan entirely around either the life you currently have or, as I always recommend, around the life that you want. You can make this as profitable as you want and there's just so many options. So again, if you are starting a flower farm with $10,000, you probably have a little bit to invest. And honestly, if you invest 10,000 bucks, you're going to definitely hit the profitable mark way faster than those that didn't have the capital to invest. However, I always talk about it you know, everything on here builds up from previous episodes or previous years, previous seasons, everything, you know, but you can definitely never underestimate the power of investing some sweat equity, investing that work. I teased it a little bit in the $1,000 episode, but I said, you know, heads up in $10,000, I'm going to say just go with plugs rather than, you know, starting off buying seed trays. However, it doesn't mean you're wrong if you're like, no, I want to try to start my own seeds. I think that's a really good idea. I think that it's a good idea to learn how to do things the hard way or you're not going to appreciate it. If you just have these plugs arrive to you ready to transplant out, you might say, wow, my plug bill. I mean, for example, my plug bill is over $3,500. If I just bought some seeds and started them in seed trays, like I would definitely pocket you know, probably that would be an extra $2,000 that I would have in the bank all said and done from the actual money. But what is the time worth when I could be making podcast episodes, when I could be picking up shifts as a nurse practitioner, when I could be booking speaking gigs, when I could be reaching out and selling my flowers? Um, Again, 70% of my flowers I sell in the off season. And so it, it just doesn't make sense for me. It's not a valuable use of my time. And honestly, I don't like it. I want to go to the gym in the morning without worrying about, oh, did I turn on my lights or what about the timer and how quickly you can kill an entire tray of seedlings if you, if you don't water them properly, if you don't, you know, if they, if they get, if they get mold, if they get dampening off, like you can kill an entire tray and set you back big time based on that. Again, I teach this all the time in my Peddling Perishable Products course. But you need to grow. If you are starting a flower farm and a business, yes, of course I want you to grow what you like. Of course I want you to enjoy the process. 
But the fact is how you're going to be successful is if you get good at reading your market, reading your target customer, identifying your target customer and seeing what they want you to grow and what they're willing to pay for. If your customers love dahlias and lisianthus and ranunculus and peonies, but they're not willing to pay what they're worth, you might as well have grown some zinnia seeds, some cosmo seeds, some sunflower seeds that you can direct seed into the ground. And literally, you don't have to worry about anything from the beginning of May to the end of September is your growing season. Once that frost hits, a little bit of cleanup, like you don't have dahlias to divide. You don't have corms to soak. You don't have seed trays to start. You don't have that huge investment. If they're not willing to pay the premium price for the premium product that takes triple the amount of time and work, then then they don't get that product. And that's okay. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, well, if, if you don't pay for it, you don't get to have nice things. Poor people can't have nice things. I'm not saying poor people. I'm just saying the market, the rural area, like it is not your responsibility to work your butt off for less than minimum wage so that people can have ranunculus. It's not your responsibility to have to pick flowers at night because you can't quit your day job so that people can have cafe au lait dahlias in their wedding bouquets if they can't afford it. Like it, it, like there's a reason those things cost way more and you cannot sustain that type of business. And so that's totally fine. But if your customer is not willing to pay $30 for a bouquet, if they only want to pay $20 for a bouquet, you need to grow a $20 bouquet and give that customer a $20 bouquet. Don't just take your $30 bouquet, what should be worth $30, and charge only $20 for it. That's a recipe for burnout, and you're never going to be able to quit your day job. You're never going to be able to invest the time in this. I have kind of a texting group, a bit of a like a mentoring session of some other flower farmers that have basically quit their day jobs. And we talk about how much easier it is now that this is our career. This is our focus. And like, you know, we're like, oh, I used to think that I would be able to put so much more time into the flower farm now that I wasn't like, you know, doing it after my nine to five or before my nine to five or on my days off or squeezing it in on the weekends. But we found that like, we're probably just putting the same amount of hours into it. We're just enjoying it so much more and being more intentional about our time. Like the amount of time that we put into it hasn't changed. It's just, it's when it's the priority, it just flourishes and blossoms and blooms. Anyway, so that was a little bit of a long intro, but my point is if you got 10,000 bucks to start a flower farm, you definitely have a different mentality than, you know, you're going into this, like investing in your farm. So I would definitely say plugs. I would definitely, you know, look at those things that are direct seeded. Um, look and see what your customer base is wanting to do. If you got 10 grand, I would invest in like a survey monkey poll, figure out what your target customer is, take a lot of time to figure out what you're going to want to grow. You know, I have some peddling perishable products students in the middle of rural South Dakota. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know that a high tunnel for you guys is in the cards. I mean, maybe you'll have to see, but if your customers aren't willing to pay at least a couple bucks per stem for the ranunculus, like it's so much time. It's so much work. It's so much money. It's so much effort to grow those flowers that if your customers aren't willing to pay literally what they're worth, then it it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they're cool. And just don't get caught up on what everyone else is doing or what another flower farmer is doing because 
you down the road probably don't have the same market. You could be a mile down the road from someone and have an entirely different need or an entirely different setup. Like look around, see what, see what you already have for your flower farm. So for example, I mean, it's kind of funny how many people are like, man, that's a lucky coincidence that you have that walk-in cooler from when it used to be a butcher shop. I'm like, what if I told you none of it was accidental? <laughs> like the Taylor Swift mastermind quote. Like, no, I literally, Josh and I talked about it. Like, we're like, hey, well, we already have a cooler. Like, we could probably have a flower farm pretty easy. We didn't just luck out. Like, we looked at what we already had and what this farm could be. So that transitions me into my next way of thinking. If you are just starting out, I would definitely invest in a good, good walk-in cooler. Because this allows you to keep and store and sell gradually over time. You know, your Snapdragons, you can keep them in the cooler for a week before you have to sell them and take them out. You can dry pack peonies. You can, you know, keep, you know, for three weeks, you can have them. You can, you know, and then just take them out for stem bars or take them out for weddings or sell them to florists or whatever. You can, you know, make your bouquets the night before and put them in. But I mean, truly, a walk-in cooler is so huge. You can rotate those buckets out. Ranunculus, you can keep them in there for a couple weeks and then just batch the time that you spend selling. Because if you don't have a cooler, then as you pick things, you're going to have to sell them right away. And that's why, I mean, honestly, the whole process of the cooler and everything, like the farm stand is cool. It's a neat idea. And I like it in the spring for tulips. But to have a farm stand in July when it's hot out and risk just setting flowers out and ending up throwing half of them away or risking having flowers that only live a couple days, it's not a good idea. I mean, my customers definitely know that like over the last year or two, my process of like getting rid of the humidity and where the flowers are stored and like the vase life in them is significantly longer. Not for all of them. Like they know some of the dahlias don't last long or whatever it might be, but that's, you know, fleeting beauty and blah, blah, blah. But I would definitely, a walk-in cooler is one of the first things because if you don't have a place to store them, like you don't need a high tunnel if you don't have a place to keep them because you can't grow more than, you know, a few hundred tulips if you don't have a cooler or at least a fridge to store them in unless you have major method of you are available, you are always around and you can move product every single day. Maybe you have one, you know, maybe you're running to different towns and bringing 20 bouquets to a different boutique every single week. And well, on Mondays, this is how I sell this. And Tuesdays, this is how I sell that, which yes, in peddling perishable products, I teach my students exactly how to like have a plan for every stem and how I structure my week and whatever. But having the walk-in cooler is a huge part of that, or it's, or it's just hard because again, it's perishable product. So again, the walk-in cooler would definitely be the route I would take, you know, you can get like a cool bot system that goes onto a window AC to convert it. You can build one pretty cost effectively. I know you can get like an FSA loan for it and qualify for like a beginning farmer loan. That's what I would look into, see what interest rate you can get, but I, you're going to need a cooler. All right. I'm going to tell you guys about a little giveaway that we are doing. So if you sign up for the live webinar Q&A, you click on the link, you enter your email address, and then you will get sent the Zoom link for having the Q&A. As a thank you for joining us, I am going to go through and everyone's email gets exported into like the CSV and you know we know everyone's name that signed up for it. 
So I will go through at the end of that Q&A on February 20th, I will go through and draw a name and one person will win a free enrollment for peddling perishable products, which is if you pay the full price, if you didn't get the early bird special, if you didn't get the combined discount for Secrets of Sold Out Stem Bars, it is $1,500. So to be eligible to win, you just have to enter into that drawing by joining us for the Q&A webinar. So I hope that you guys go ahead and do that. The link is right in the episode notes. And if you have questions about peddling perishable products, there's a lot of other links in the episode notes. Thanks. Close seconds, I would definitely look into a tractor of some sort. Whether you till or are no-till, you're going to need, you know, you're going to need to like bust up the ground. I see people use like augers for digging for peonies or digging for dahlias so that they, you know, minimal soil disturbance. You know, you don't need to till up a six foot wide row when you only need like a few spots for dahlias. But if you have like better tools for being able to do that or a brush mower attachment for fall cleanup or whatever it might be, I mean, I would definitely look into a utility tractor of some sort. We bought ours used off of Facebook Marketplace. Well, we have a we have a, a John Deere. I don't know what it is. We have a tractor of some sort. Um, it's, you know, one of those garden tractors. But we also have a Kubota skid steer for moving snow because, again, in Minnesota, like, we need the skid steer. We need the horsepower for our farm based on other needs that we have. But the skid steer, the, like, the tractor is half as light and the weight is distributed differently and it has, like, golf cart tires on it. Whereas my skid steer can tear up the lawn and just be a lot harder on it. So definitely like look into investing in a tractor that's going to save so many hours of either employee time or your own time. The plugs, huge. I buy my plugs from Farmer Bailey. I've looked into buying them from Ball. I think Don, my sales rep on Ball, listens to my podcast. And I know that Farmer Bailey, he's... I don't know all the details, but I think he sold his business to Grow and Sell and Ball gets their, they get, their plugs are from Grow and Sell too. So it's the same exact thing. It's just that the Farmer Bailey ordering process seems pretty easy. And if it's not broke, don't fix it and blah, blah, blah. I do think that there's an opportunity for more of a local option. And I I really did look into that in the area. I tried to work with some greenhouses, but it just... It wasn't really working out. And so I, I decided to just stick with Farmer Bailey. And if I'm paying, but you know, if you, if you pay like the three crates or the three trays, it's $54 in shipping for three trays. It's like $18 a tray in shipping, which is insane, but you just factor it into the price. But yeah, it's, it's definitely an investment, but it, it allows you to work on other things outside of the farm. Again, if I had $10,000 to invest into a flower farm, I would definitely pay for some sort of business coach. I'm going to do something crazy and I'm going to give a shout out to other flower farming business courses that are out there because I want you to find the right fit for you. My course is Peddling Perishable Products. I pretty much peel back the curtain and give you like an inside to my business plan. I am not a cheerleader. I am not a giving you confidence to sell. I mean, there's one module called pricing with confidence because we all need confidence in asking people for money essentially. But there is one module called pricing with confidence, but otherwise it's literally giving you all of the tools you need and the shortcuts and telling you 
exactly how I do everything. So you can, you know, take those things and tailor it to your business. Now, I know that there's one called Trademark Flower Farm. There's one called Muddy Business with Lindsay Talby. I'm not going to say anything negative or positive about any of those. There are other options out there. I think that based on what they're priced at and what you get and the interaction and whatever, what mine is, what I'm priced at, what you get, I firmly believe that it's a really good investment for those that are ready to make the investment. That's why I have that optional phone call so that you know anyone who's going to take my course can make a 15-minute phone call with me. I have it priced accordingly so that I don't want 100 people in my course where I just take their money and run. So I, I have it priced accordingly so that I can really like invest and follow up and like have that good more so teaching and mentoring and more of a mastermind setting than necessarily just an evergreen course where you watch the videos and then it's done. My point is that's all I'm going to say about it. Pedaling Perishable Products is my course. You know where to find me. You've seen it. it starts March 1st if you want it. Otherwise, like I said, I've given you resources for other coaching or courses that I know about. But either way, if I was just starting out and I had $10,000, oh my God, I would pay for a course of some sort or a coaching or, you know, whatever sessions, because you are going to save so much money figuring things out the hard way. And yes, you could say, you know, $1,500, which is what my course is like $1,500. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But the time that you spend or the mistakes that you make and like every single lesson and it's the opportunity cost. So there's that Yellowstone meme where it's like, dad, we can't afford to do this. And he's like, can't afford not to son. Like that's literally it. If it's going to allow you to make 20 grand in revenue sooner than you would have every single year, compounding that the power of compounding over time, like it just I feel like coaching of some sort, and maybe maybe it's not coaching. Maybe it's like investing in a bunch of books or maybe it's, you know, seminars. I do think that mine is a very specific course tailored to, again, peddling perishable products. That's exactly what it is. It's a course of how to create a business like mine. But maybe what you need more focus on is specifically a marketing course or specifically flower arranging courses or specifically, you know, but I do think if I had $10,000, you know, I would, I would go back and listen to the episodes about a hundred dollars, about a thousand dollars. And then I would, you know, definitely invest in a cooler, invest in, you know, some of those materials, but then I would invest in education. You know, of course you can get like a fancier website, a better point of sale. Oh my God. I would pay in like, I would, I would pay for and I can't even think of all of all of them on top of my head, but or on the top of my head, but in my course, I teach all of this, but like exactly like how I do my events and my booking schedule and just like to systemize the client experience and make it easier to book and have it all in the same way. How I did things when I first started out, you know, clients would, I had a WordPress email and people would go on there and they would fill out a contact form and then it would say what it was about and then I'd email them back. But it made sense because I wasn't going to pay for that widget to, you know, if my subscriptions were only five grand the first year, I couldn't afford for, you know, the credit card fee. And it's not just the credit card fee. It's having that point of sale process on built onto your website. Like taking a point of sale is really hard. 
And again, like I used to do my personal Venmo and it'd be, you know, my personal Venmo at Liz Fiddler. And then, you know, you could get away with not having to pay the Venmo fee for a business account, but there's no way to like extract that data and run like a report on it in Excel spreadsheets. And so for me, I pay the money for the business account and yes, they take a percentage, but if you figure that that saves me five or six hours of sitting down and adding up all of those numbers every quarter when I do my quarterly sales tax and try to add it all up, I mean, actually way more than five or six hours, but if it saves me 20 hours of admin time that I have to sit down and do my book work, yeah, two or 3% is worth, you know, basically that shortcut more or less. So just finding ways that are going to make it easier for you to be successful. Because guess what? If you get burnt out, if you are spending 50, 60 hours a week, you're just, you're not going to be able to do it. It's it's just not sustainable. Trust me, been there, done that, not going to live like that anymore. So finding ways to find your who's, not your how's. Um, But yeah, if I had $10,000 and maybe this isn't what you expected to hear in this episode, maybe you're like, oh God, she's just doing a sales pitch for herself, for her own course. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but if I wasn't confident in my product, why would I be talking about it? So yeah, I just, I think some sort of education and I think it's kind of funny. Like I was talking to one of my friends, I'm like, I spent 80 grand, 80 grand on tuition, not to mention the opportunity cost of, I could have been working a different job. I was only working 10 to 15 hours a week in undergrad. I was only working 20 hours a week in grad school because I was spending time going to grad school. Plus I spent 80 grand in actual tuition. So if you add up lost wages, had I been working full-time as a CNA 40 hours a week instead of 10 hours a week, you know, during those years, if you add up the lost wages in the time that I sat in a classroom in college, South Dakota state, getting my undergrad degree, getting my doctorate degree, you know, the tuition was 80 grand plus that opportunity cost of lost wages while I was not working full time when I was studying and learning when I could have been in the workforce, um, not necessarily doing what I want to do, but in the workforce. I mean, it's probably a swing of $250,000, but we'll say the actual tuition cost of 80 grand or whatever to make, you know, a full time nurse practitioner. It's no secret. You can Google it. I mean, it, it caps at, you know, one twenty five hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year. But we don't blink blink an eye at that. It seems like a really smart investment to spend $80,000 for a career that literally caps at $125,000 a year for a full-time nurse practitioner once you get a few years of experience. And so I don't know. It's just, I think it's, I I was talking to my friend Amanda. Um, she also has a podcast that Abby produces and we were talking about it today. And it's like, you know, that real world experience that you can pay and like these mini courses and what we do or don't offer and taking the time to take like expertise. I don't know. I would, I would invest in that. Obviously you're going to need to learn how to grow the flowers, but to be honest, there are so many free resources out there on how to grow the flowers or relatively inexpensive books or blog posts, or you can Google just about everything. So I don't, I don't think I would pay money. I never took like the florette class. I never took the gardener's workshop class on like learning how to actually grow the flowers. I feel like that's something that yes, you can get better at as you go. You can take better care of your soil. You can do a better job of fertilizing this or that, get higher yields, better yields. But I do think that, you know, the business is selling the flowers, not growing the flowers. And so 
everyone gets so focused on how to grow the flowers, but like there's so much free resources out there that you need to really learn how to sell the flowers. My podcast is a free resource on how to grow the flowers. All these cut flower groups on Facebook, you know, you can ask any, you know, a hobby gardener can tell you how to grow the flowers. Um, but not everyone's going to be able to tell you exactly how to sell the flowers in a short way without knowing your exact circumstances. And that's why, like in my course, I teach you the adaptive process. I know you guys are getting sick of hearing that, but like the adaptive process of why I do things the way I do and how you need to start looking at it holistically because there is no simple solution. There's no simple answer. When people ask me, how do your nursing home sponsorships work? And it's like, well, the businesses pay for them. Well, how, 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 and there's like 50 follow-up questions, which rightfully so. Okay. So I created a whole module on literally all of that information, condensing it into a video, a handout, a sample letter, a kit of what you need. Like, okay, here you go. Packaged up. And, you know, I'm able to sell, like, that's my income for the months of January and February. Like that's two months worth of revenue that you just learned in a 40 minute video that I condensed. So I think that, you know, investing in that education of your business, if you really want to make a go at it, I think that that's huge. Maybe some people would be better off doing mentoring, coaching. I decided to not go that route when I first started out as far as being a mentor. I have done some mentoring. I've paid money for coaching calls. I've paid, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks for a phone call with experts in their fields one of which is my speaking mentor. She's helping me get, because um, I do some more public speaking on the side now at different conventions and whatever. It's a whole thing. But um, anyway, more on that to come. But, you know, like paying for that phone call to like, just teach me so that I don't make these mistakes. And, you know, what are the questions I should be asking? And it's more one-on-one coaching. And I thought about doing, you know, one-on-one coaching. And last summer I, I offered that and people could sign up for a call and then just Venmo me the fee to make it worth their time. But I found that people were asking me like really simple, basic questions that could have been covered in like group modules and like they need advice for their specific farm and they need to learn how to make those decisions on your own because no one's going to hold your hand. Yeah. So I think, you know, this episode probably turned out way differently than what you thought. However, head to the episode notes to join the webinar, the Q&A. The link is in there, podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Send us your questions. I would love for you to pre-send as many questions as you can. Like I said, we can only fit so many in the webinar. Hint, hint, if you sign up for the webinar, you're going to get a 50% off discount for a couple of our little mini courses. Um, so heads up, if you're if you're trying to decide if you should sign up or not, just go ahead and sign up and you'll get that email link to you. And yeah, I just, I really think that there is room for everyone. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that, you know, people are like, oh, aren't you nervous? There's more and more flower farms popping up. And no, I'm not. 75% of flowers within the United States are imported. There is room for other flower farmers on here. There is room There is room for all of us. We just have to find our own customer base, our own product that we want to sell. Not everyone sells a $30 bouquet. Not everyone sells wholesale to florists. Not everyone sells events. Not everyone sells workshops. Not everyone does weddings. We all have our own thing. And so I think finding finding your target customer, building a business around the life you want, because that's the whole point. That's the whole reason you're getting into this is... Build it around the life you want, not the life you currently have, but the life that you want and 
you're going to be able to have a successful business. I firmly believe that there is room for everyone. You just have to get a little bit creative, be adaptive, change with the markets, change with the times, you know, just keep evolving and growing. So bloom and grow. But I hope to see you guys at the live webinar on the evening of February 20th. And thank you guys so much for tuning into this little three-part mini-series. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunny Mary Meadow dot com.